Welcome to Big Fish Little Place, a podcast by The Connection Table. I'm your host, Julia Spicer, a serial entrepreneur thriving in a town of less than 10,000 people. In each episode, we share stories of those doing great things from small locations. Because it doesn't matter where you are across Australia, big ideas, personalities and impact can be found in the smallest and most remote parts of the community. I acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which I record this podcast, the Bigambal people, and I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. This week, I speak with fellow Gundawindiite, Gundawishan, I'm not sure, Jerome Loray. Jerome and his now wife, Emma, moved to Gundawindi to establish their business in farm. Emma is also a pharmacist and Jerome was one of the founders of Discover Farming, a not-for-profit organisation helping to tell the stories of businesses across the region. In this episode, Jerome shares why he thinks we need to be more ambitious in the regions, how accessing decision makers can be as easy as looking up the mayor's phone number and how we can learn from global rural communities. Enjoy this conversation. Hello, Jerome. Welcome to the podcast. This is the first, you're the first person I'm actually interviewing from Gundawindi, but as usual, uh, you and I are never in the same spot at the same time. Um, Can I ask you to introduce yourself, maybe where you are today, uh, and a little bit about your business and some of your involvement across the Gundawindi community? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Jerome Loray. I'm the Managing Director of InFarm. I'm currently in uh, Longreach, about to do a field day up here. And so, um, so joining you from uh, from Longreach, even though I know you're in you're in Gundawindi. Um, in terms of my involvement in the community, uh, one of the things that that we started with a, with a group of us was um, what we call Discover Farming, which was a company or a, a non for profit uh, organisation that looks at how do we tell the stories from the country and um, and then be able to communicate that to other people to be able to connect them and, and attract talent uh, to the rural communities. And so that's been going for a couple of years. COVID put a bit of a dampener on it, but um, but it's starting to, to fire back up. And, and we've had many people, a couple of marriages have come from it in terms of people that have come to the region after they um, after they saw some of the, the marketing efforts that we did. And so, uh, yeah, just trying to get people to the country uh, to, to discover our amazing communities. So why why the piece around the storytelling, Jerome? What's um, How are you getting the stories out? Why are you doing it? What's the format that you're doing that? You know, we're all, I think there's not one regional town across Australia that's saying they don't want more people. How have you been doing that with Discover Farming? There's a lot of people doing some amazing things. One of the things with typically rural or country people is they're, they're, they're really bad at boasting and, and really telling their story. And so what you've really got to do is is go over there with, you know, someone that's doing either audio, visual or, or photos and just capture what they do. You know, for them, this is just normal everyday life. But it, it's actually really interesting what some people are doing, like Gurali pork, which is one of the uh, largest free-range pork producers in the country. Um, I think they are the biggest. And so just telling that that family story on, on how they came about um, and how they built their business. We've got, uh, you know, Sam Colton, who, who started a tourism business um, and, and a clothing um enterprise and so how we go from the shirt or the 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 production of that cotton to to the shirt that ends up being worn by people in in fashion and so just closing that loop and telling the stories of of rural Australians I find is the easiest way and you just need to put a camera and just help them coax them and then 
sit down at the, the table and let them tell their story and, and then you can just distribute that to, uh, to the world really. So we, we jumped straight into some of the work that you've been doing with Discover Farming. Gundy is not your um, uh, is not where you grew up, same as same as me. We both moved here uh, as professionals. Can I get you to go back a couple of steps and talk about where you grew up, uh, how you ended up in Gundawindi and maybe who you brought with you to Gundawindi or maybe you were brought to Gundawindi by uh, your other half? Yeah, no, I, was, I, was, I was definitely brought to Gundawindi by my wife. Um, I mean, if you want to go back, I'm actually born overseas. So I was born in, in a small skiing village in, up, up in France um, and then came across to, to Australia when I was quite young. And, and I grew up between two countries, so between France and Australia. I used to do six months in Australia and then six months in France. Um, did winter and winter. Um, and I, I did that for basically all of my life until I was about in year 11 and 12 where I, I started I decided to stay in Australia to do my education and then I did uh, did university here as well. And so um, I then proceeded to to go travel the world and and um, and lived in Western Australia for a while with with my now wife. Um, and then it was time to come back to to uh, to the right side of the country, as I say, as in right as in you know left and right, not 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 disparaging our Western Western Australia. Not correct and, and incorrect I, side of the country, right? Yeah. Okay, good to know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So basically, we we were basically looking between two different locations, so between Emerald and and Gundawindi. And part of the reason was we'd started this ag tech business, and so we wanted to be in the thick of where our clients were, but also have the the rural lifestyle. Um, the community, those types of things, and and my wife chose Gundawindi, and I couldn't have been any happier that um, that, that she did. It's an amazing community, um, and it's it's just got, comes down to where are our clients, where are the community that we want to live in, and then from a strategic point of view, from from my personal business in farm, when you consider Gundawindi as a as, as a region, it's I think the fifth most productive agricultural region in the country, in terms of a, a council area. And then if you actually look, five of the top seven actually surround it. So it sits at a bit of a hub between horticulture, um, broadacre, grazing. Uh, th- there's a lot of diversity in, in terms of the production capacity. And so that's that's another reason from a business point of view that it really makes sense to be in the thick of it. And um, and talk a little bit about uh, what what Emma's involved with. So you mentioned um, you mentioned that you and Emma have both moved here. She's also really embedded in the community and certainly plays a role as one of our pharmacists. Talk a little around um, around you know how you have both decided to do some of the work that you're doing. Well, how was Emma involved? Well, in the early days, she um, she basically funded the whole thing. Um, I was working full time, getting no salary for for about six, seven years, and and she supported us, put food on the table, um, and then also supported us in the well, me in the business in terms of the ups and downs, the natural ups and downs that you have in business when you're trying to develop a technology business. Um, you know, in farms, are what we call a big data and artificial intelligence business, and and so how you deal with big data and AI in rural communities when you don't have internet is a pretty big challenge and it means you've got to develop a lot of different things with your team um, and and that's not always easy and, and it's certainly not cheap. And so, um, yeah, what, one of the, the major ways is the fact that, that Emma's been so supportive in the background to allow me and the team to be able to develop this technology 
um, and deliver it to to farmers and graziers across the country. Jerome, you and I talk about storytelling all of the time, right? We, we're often talking about how do we get better stories out? What are the stories that people, you know, where are the assumptions made about regional communities and who lives there? And I just think you and Emma are such a great example of, of young professionals who deliberately call a regional centre home you've deliberately chosen to start your family here. I guess I'm keen to get some understanding or for people who might be listening to this podcast who haven't grown up in a regional community, you know, talk to me about the positives. What are the opportunities that you see that happen here that might not happen if you were uh, in a bigger centre, if you were in a more populated area? Are there any things that are uniquely rural that appeal to you guys, I guess? The population is probably, you know, the population density is obviously smaller in in these rural communities. And it means that if you're in a business, you're generally going to be, like I call it a bit of a jack of all trade. Like you you get the opportunity to see lots of different problems in a business. And so if you're working in in an enterprise, the fact that you can do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, manage people maybe earlier than than if you were in the city, is, is probably one thing that I think is is really quite interesting because it gives you a professional development that that you might not have had if you would have been in the, the city and going up the corporate ladder. And so I think there's a bunch of opportunities there. And so I think that that's from a professional development point of view, maybe one of the biggest advantages of, of the rural, you know, rural communities and rural businesses is the fact that young people can get a taste of a lot of different things. Um, and, and that puts them in a better position for for their longer term career opportunities in terms of their their experience. Um, people in 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 most communities are screaming for for talent, and so um, if you're a young person and you have a little bit of drive um, and are willing to come to these amazing communities, then um, then you really have a big path for professional development uh, if that's something that you would like to pursue. The other side is is the actual knowing everyone. So everyone looks after you. You know, if you've got kids, people know who your kids are. If they're they're playing up or whatever, everyone's looking out for each other. Um, and I think that that is something that that is quite amazing. And, and I think sometimes gets a bit more lost in in cities, but it's really really quite present in in the community. So you know everyone. You're invested in everyone's success, and um, and they're really quite supportive. Um, and so. From both the professional side and then the, the personal side, I, th- I think they're amazing opportunities for, for people that are thinking about it that, that might have looked at a career, say, in, in the city. I think, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I often end up talking about, you know, we can access our decision makers in yep. smaller areas because there's not that many of us. You know, I talk to people and I'm like, you know, I have the mayor's phone number. You have the mayor's phone number. We can call in and see the CEO of our council whenever we need. That's unlikely to happen in Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne or maybe even in a Toowoomba kind of a location, right? So our ability to influence and get to decision makers more often and more quickly without so many gatekeepers, I see as a massive opportunity, particularly for people like you and I who are starting businesses in these in these regions and needing to be able to get the support and be able to really build our businesses. I just, I think that piece, as you say, around 
the ability to become, you know, a GP in a business far far more quickly in terms of that jack of all trades uh, and the ability to build a business and, and have that guaranteed support. It is really that rising tide lifts all ships kind of concept. We need we need businesses in our rural communities to do well because we all benefit as a result of that. And so that piece you mentioned around support, I think, is really important. You know, talk, in, do you see that in all of the communities? You and I trip around a bit to regional communities all over Australia. Do you think that support piece or that support value is everywhere? So, I mean, the community, the Gundawindi community definitely has that in spades. Like I remember rocking up to to Gundawindi and within two weeks I was talking to Carl, the CEO of the council, and, and at the time it was Graham who was the mayor. And that was within two weeks of literally moving to a town. I'd literally come off the plane. Um, anyway, so, so you definitely have those opportunities. And when I meet mayors, councillors, even even large business people in, in other communities, it's really quite easy to to find them and get connected. And if, if you have a vision that's trying to change something, you can get to those key decision makers. Um, there's a couple of rural, you know, rural communities, Longreach, you know, Richmond, Hewenden. Um, I've been able to connect into any community um, and talk to some of those, you know, those big operators and and, and the council and um, and be able to connect with them. And it's really quite easy. You can find their number in the phone. <laughs> you, you you ring them up or you say, hey, I'm in the area. Can I come see you? And they say yes, even though they're running, you know extremely large enterprises that that no one really realizes and you sit down have coffee have have bickies and you just come with a with baked goods and and um and that's that's how you start the, the connections in the bush and everyone knows each other um, you'd be surprised who calls who and who knows who and who's related to who so um oh yeah you can't get away with anything can you no no and, and that's a great thing that's a great thing um everyone that that means people know Who's trying to push the envelope in terms of development, um, and who the reliable people are out here in in the bush? It's it's quite an amazing community to be part of. Um, yeah, I actually see that as a superpower in the regions that we don't take advantage of, or we don't. Maybe we 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 use it without realising that it is our superpower, that piece of connection and that that realistically, you know, they talk about six degrees of separation. It's about one and a half, really, if you think about it. Um, and I think that is a superpower we maybe don't realise that we are actually all often more connected in ways than our urban cousins are. Um, we're, we're, we're sort of talking about all of the best bits of the regions, right, which is very unusual for you and I as the positive peeps that we are. But, you know, talk to me about some of the challenges, uh, particularly for you in your business that is, you know, um, big data <laughs> and AI, big tech connectivity kind of needs. Talk to me about, you know, what are some of the challenges that you have found in your business um, from a family perspective? You know, what are still some of the challenges though that we're dealing with when it comes to regional communities? Sure. So, I mean, everyone talks about connectivity as a, a potential problem. I think that's starting to be solved with, you know, the likes of Elon Musk and all the rest of it. Um, but some of those challenges are... So, Jerome, the irony is not lost on us that we just had to stop recording for a little while because the connectivity dropped out and we cooked your phone. Uh, what were you saying about the uh, opportunities of regional connectivity or the challenges of regional connectivity? 
that the connectivity had been solved by Elon Musk and the like, and uh, my phone cuts out. So, um, listen, uh, back to that. I think a lot of people talk about connectivity in the bush being a problem, but I also think it's an, an opportunity. If we can solve that problem, then we can that to, to other people around the world that are having that issue. And so if we can develop the technology and the solutions that completely bypass the requirement to have the internet um, and deliver those things to, to farmers and rural communities, I think that's a that's a really powerful way. And so some of the things that we think are challenges, I think we need to reframe and say, okay, well, is this the actual opportunity um, for us to develop something? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm concerned sometimes that if people are making assumptions about regional communities based on old information or misinformed information or misinformation, we are actually missing out on opportunities. And I think this piece of connectivity is a big one, right? Like, you know, um, in the process of trying to do some work around how we get more tech roles based in regions. Well, if the early assumption is that you can't have a tech role in the regions because the connectivity will mean that they can't do their job, how are we missing out on people investing in regions to be able to set up businesses, to be able to have remote roles, all of the rest of it? So if we're making incorrect assumptions at the beginning around something to do with regional connectivity or being able to run a business in a region, the impact then is really great, I think, in terms of investment and attraction of people, investment and attraction of money, you know, the the pieces that we're all working really hard on. So how we can fairly and accurately talk about some of the challenges without that actually, um, you know, stopping people from wanting to be part of our communities and be part of the economic development out here, I think is a really, you know, we, we all need to be really careful about when we're telling, uh, when we're talking about the challenges and how they could be solved. And when we're talking about the challenges so that people stop investing or stop thinking they can be part of, of our communities. What do you think about that? I, I completely agree. And yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the other things too is, you know, we, we've got to, as a, as a rural community, we've got to understand what is it or who are the types of people that we're trying to attack, attract to each of our communities. So some people might be a bit more, you know, like mining based. Other people might be more agricultural based. And so that requires completely different skills um, and, and probably different types of individuals. And so being able to tell the story to attract that talent to those regions is something that you need to make sure that you're crafting the, those right stories, right? Like, so from my business point of view, like the world's best programmers are not living in Gundawindi. I've somehow got to either attract them there or build a business where I can support other people um, to be remotely based. Like we were doing remote work before it was cool. Um, I've, I've got my head of artificial intelligence is, is based in a small Victorian rural community. And so starting to think a little bit different about how you build the rural network and, and pull or attract that talent. It might not be someone that's sitting in your office, but it, it might be connecting into other rural communities where people want to live and how do you attract those people to your businesses? So you can build your business out, um, you know, out west or out um, rural. So we now can um, connectivity is not really an issue. Um, it's just us thinking a little bit different and being innovative in the way that we actually attract the talent. Right? We've got a lifestyle yeah. we want to have, and the right lifestyle for the right type of people. 
and now it's up to us to put that package together um, to attract those, those people. So when I look at my personal business, um, finding the right people is probably one of the, the hardest things. And once you do, figuring out how you build that package, they might want a little bit more freedom um, or they might want uh, a little bit more, you know, different different operating hours that might not be a standard nine to five um, so they can deal with kids. Like it's, it's really, really, yeah, really important. And, and there's a bit of an untapped community. I call them the weapons of the West. You'll generally find that in, in all rural communities, there's a couple of individuals that are all in the communities. They, they're developing things. They're connecting people. They're generally women, and so the women's weapons of the West is what I call them. You go to any rural community across us, generally have it. They generally operate in the background, but they really organise communities. So how do we tap into those communities to attract those people to our regions? And we've got people that are coming from a health point of view, nurses, teachers. How do we attract and keep them in our and make them part of it, make them feel welcome when they first arrive? Because it'll be a bit daunting and everyone knows everyone, so everyone already has their friends. How do we actually start to integrate those? Oh, um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we need to, I think that is one of the that is one of the assumptions sometimes I see communities make is we say that we're welcoming and we say that we want new people to come and we want all I think sometimes we just need to check around what that might actually look like for a newcomer who doesn't know all of the unwritten rules or doesn't have the five generations of information and all of the rest of it. So I think that piece around welcoming and what that looks like is really important. Jerome, if you weren't doing this, what would you do? If you weren't living in the regions or if you didn't have the business that you have, what would you be doing, do you reckon? Well, there's probably one of two things. I find the, the the animal genetics space, really, really interesting. Um, and so I'd probably be doing something in livestock genetics, so I'd still probably be out west. And then the other thing is I've lived a pretty international life, um, and so there is a component of me that could have been building businesses in Dubai or doing something like that um, and, and jet-setting. Now, my wife and I have decided to, to be in a rural, um, rural because that's a lifestyle that, that we've decided to, to have. But there's a component of me that is hyper-competitive could totally go and climb that, you know, that, that corporate world. Either animal genetics or um, somehow doing some form of business and international dichotomy there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and how many how many countries have you got staff in at the moment? Uh, yeah, we're currently in six countries, yeah. Mm. yeah Pretty cool. Couple. Head office in Gundawindi. Yeah, I, I, I like to say international headquarters in Gundawindi. I love it. I love it. I will roll with that. That is a good story to tell. Jerome, um, and again, you and I get to have this conversation over coffees and beers on fairly regular occasions, but if you were all powerful for, the, for a day, if you could do anything, change anything for a day um, in any of the various hats that you wear, what would you do? What would you use your power for? If I was all powerful for a day, I would um, try and make people a bit more ambitious and willing to take a risk. I think sometimes because out here we, we're typically relying on weather, you know, cash flows literally tied to rainfall, we can be a little bit more conservative. And I think I think there's times where that that makes sense. But I think we need to start to look at how do we, we as Australian agriculture, we as rural Australia, kind of start to lead the world a bit more. I think we need to, to lift our gaze a little bit and, and become a bit more ambitious. Like when you look at our, our farmers and our graziers, we have one of the most variable climates in the world. We have no subsidies. We have high labour cost, higher labour cost than basically, I think we're the second highest labour cost in, in agricultural production. 
and yet our, our farmers and our graziers are competing globally. Um, we should be leading the world and, and, and showing people how we can do more with less. And I think um, I'd really like us to, to start to do that. And so figuring out how we build our communities around that and, and let them take that risk um, is something that I, think I would do. And then the last one, which is a bit more around connection, is there's a lot of us and them kind of attitudes in, at the moment, whether it be, you know, us and them, city versus country, whether it be us and them versus Australia versus the world, um, Ukraine versus Russia, whatever it is. I think I think it'd be great if we shared more meals with people that are completely different. Um, I find that food's a great way to connect with people and, and share cultures and share share ideas and, and maybe we might realise that we're not so different after all, um, that we're humans, that we want our kids to have a better life. I, I'd, I'd really like that to happen more often. And so, yeah, be more ambitious and eat food with strangers. Yeah, Jerome, the fact that you're talking about connection in a week in Australia where we're about to have a referendum and where there's been horrendous um, war in uh, in Gaza and Israel is uh, is a pretty good time to be having um, bringing that to people's attention. So I think that's um, I think that's a really important point. Thank you for sharing that. As we head towards the finish line of our podcast, um, is there anything else that you might like to share with people, and also where they might find both you and Infarm, and also discover farming if they want to follow up and see what you've been working on in this Gundawindi community? Sure. Um, so discover farming. Discoverfarming.com. We're on Facebook. Um, the team looks after, as in the team, Tracy and, and, and Megan look after that, um, and uh, and Georgia. Um, so you can Google that. In terms of Infarm, um, Infarm.io um, is the website. We're on Facebook. Reach out. Um, we, we love talking to people. If you've got ideas, if you if you want to try to develop technology, if you're a young programmer. Um, or developer, reach out. Um, we, we love to hear crazy ideas. You know, there's there's a big community in the ag tech space, um, and so yeah, please reach out. We we want to see that developing uh, and continue to develop because the reality is we develop a lot of the technology here in Australia, but it doesn't get commercialised here. And so if we can, if I can help increase that, then that's something that um, that I'd like to do. So please reach out. Um, and in terms of, is there anything else? Um, I suppose more a comment for you with with your podcast uh, talking about ambition. Um, you're talking. I think the aim is to talk to a lot of of rural people uh, from you know that have big ideas and that are that are looking to change the world, but also um, that that are from a small place. May I uh, suggest that you look, lift your gaze and, and maybe look at some of the people that came from overseas that were from, from small places um, and that developed some massive things. So I'm thinking of. You know, the city of Shenzhen in, in China was a small farming village and it's now an extremely large techno- technology centre for, for basically China and how they actually did that, who were the people that were behind that. So maybe finding some of those people and how they did it, that they could be really interesting stories to share. Um, yeah, so th- th- there's an example, but there's, there's plenty of other international examples. Up-and-coming countries like Nigeria, um, in terms of their technology and their entrepreneurial firepower, um, you know, in Africa. And so just, just looking at some of those things and other other people doing stuff that we can go and distribute that knowledge to, to our rural community to, to help us grow. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, now that you've sent us down the international thing, let me do a quick little plug. So as as you know, Jerome, I also uh, am the chair of Gen Australia, which and the Gen stands for Global Entrepreneurship Network. And we've just had the global conference in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and next year, there'll be two smaller conferences, one of them in Cape Town. But I've been to a couple now, Saudi Arabia included. And what I have found at these global entrepreneurship congresses is the fact that somehow or other, all the regions find each other sooner or later. I, and I have said, you know, I've often got more in common with a regional business person from Zambia or South Africa than maybe I do from some of the people who are establishing businesses in bigger cities across Australia. And so I think that piece around globally, what can we be learning from each other is always a really good piece to have. So thank you for that comment. I think that's really important. Jerome, thanks so much for joining us today. I think it's, you know, I, I love your story from a business perspective. I love the, the roles that you've played within community and also the fact that you and Emma as a, as a unit and as a family are really, you know, the best of what we want for uh, families and professional families that are calling rural uh, communities home. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jules. another episode of Big Fish Little Place, a podcast by The Connection Table. We hope by sharing this story today that you feel inspired to go big from your small place or support those doing so. To find out more about The Connection Table's mission to get more rural Australians a seat at the decision-making table, head to our website, www.theconnectiontable.com.